I was getting coffee with a friend just the other week and he looked me in the eyes and he said, Lucas, I am so skeptical. I'm a skeptic. I'm skeptical about so many things, but you, you seem to be so certain and your certainty makes me even more skeptical of you. Lucas, how is it that you can be so certain? Hey, it's Lucas Scrobot, and you're listening to The Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, pursue truth, and own the future. Before we talk about how we can be so certain and how I have come to be certain in many areas of my life, I want to talk to you about a, a time in my life where I was not certain. I was anything but certain. I was searching. I was flailing. I was drowning. I was drifting. And it caused me to ask a lot of questions and seek how could I become productive? How could I reach my goals? How I felt like I was just busy, 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 and it wasn't reaching the things that I wanted to reach in and with my life. So I wrote this book, Anchored the Discipline to Stop Drifting. I highly recommended it. It's a short, easy to read, 100 page book that will help you anchor your life focus your life and begin to take steps forward into the very things that you want to accomplish. So check out the book. The link is in the show notes or you can find it on Amazon. Now back to the show. How can you and how can I become people of certainty? How we how can we become people of truth, certain of the truth, not believing that truth is relative and you do what you want to do and I'll do what I want to do and who knows that you know maybe the truth is out there but uh, We do not want to live those lives. Those lives produce anxiety, produces stress. It does not bear good fruit. That sort of skepticism, that sort of relativity. We want to stray far away from that. And we want to come to a place where we have some certainty. We have some boundary lines. Boundaries in our life creates freedom. Knowing where the boundaries are, that is the thing that will create freedom in our life. So how do we become certain? Well, before we answer that question, we have to ask, do we possess ideas or are ideas possessing us? I'm going to say that again. Do we own the ideas that are in our head or do the ideas in our head own us? For many of us, or at least for me, there are areas of my life where I know that the ideas in my head possess me. I do not own them. I have not wrestled with them. I have not grappled with them. There are many things in my life that I know I have not spent sufficient time on to own, to possess. But those ideas are more like rhetoric. They're more like talk tracks. They're more just like autoplay in my head that I roll through. Now, When I talk to a lot of people and we begin to engage in a deep conversation, I can see that in this area, you are being possessed by the ideas coming out of your mouth. You have not thought through them. You have not grappled with them. You are not able to work with these ideas in a malleable way to come up with your own ideas and or you have not come up with these ideas on your own. Rather, they are just things that you have been told you And you just go along and believe many people in many conversations, I encounter this, but you and I, we don't want to be those types of people. We want to be people 
who grapple with and work with the ideas so that we can own them, so that we can possess them, so that we can know why we believe what we believe. Now, as I said, I know that there are areas in my life where ideas still possess me, where I have not grappled with some of these things in a deep enough way. But I want to talk about how we can begin to grapple with these ideas so that they're not just rhetoric going through our head. The the principles, the axioms, the morality that we believe, they're not just rhetoric that's going through our head that's possessing us, but we're actually able to come to a place where we're able to articulate why we believe what we believe. Basically, we're talking about today is how can we discern truth? And that's what we talk about on the show, right? Uncover purpose. What's your purpose? What are we made to do? What what is our, our destiny? What should we pursue? What's our purpose? And pursue truth. It is the truth that unlocks purpose. It is our ability to walk in truth that opens up our ability to walk in purpose. I used to think that, okay, I need to, I need to know what I'm made for. I need to know my purpose. Why am I here? What do I need to do? How, how do I want to change the world? But I found that as I pursue that, as if when I pursue purpose, I actually lose a sense of reality and actually become more anxious because I'm looking inward. I'm trying to figure me out rather than figuring truth out. But when we figure truth out, we are actually able to rest in our purposes, to rest in the things that we are actually born to do, our purpose in the earth. You probably have heard the 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 word picture, the analogy of of there being an elephant and there being three or four different blind guys trying to figure out what this elephant is. One is feeling the leg of the elephant and he says, oh, it's a tree. We're all feeling a tree. And the other is feeling the, the tusk of the elephant. He's saying, oh, no, it's a, it's a spearhead. The third is feeling the trunk. He's like, it's a snake. The other is feeling the, the bushel of the tail and saying, oh, it's a broom. Someone's feeling the ear and saying, oh, it's a blanket. This is normally the argument for relativity. People say, oh, you know, you don't know everything. You don't have the corner on truth. You might just be feeling the leg and that's relevant and that's true to you, but I'm feeling the trunk. And so this is true to me. That's your truth. This is my truth. Stay out of my life. We can all believe what we want to believe. But here's the kicker. What would happen if someone who had eyes to see came along and said, um, hey, everyone, it's not a tree. It's not a snake. It's not a blanket. It's an elephant. What if someone came along and revealed truth to all these people trying to figure out what it is? Well, then it's no longer relative. Truth is no longer relative. It has actually been revealed. And for you and I, or at least for I, but I'm pretty sure for you too, we believe 
that there is a God. We believe in the spiritual realm. We, we don't believe that we're just, you know, apes and chimpanzees that evolved from a, a marshland that was bubbling over millions, and trillions of years. We believe that we were created. We believe that we were actually created by God and set on this earth for a purpose, just in like in our last episode with Mustafa, where we're talking about destiny. We're talking about how God intervenes in our life. If we believe that God is there and he's intervening in our life, we also believe that he is speaking to us in our life and he has the ability and the desire to speak and reveal truth to each and every one of us. Now, this is the the core tenant of the three major monotheistic faiths, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. All these three faiths come from the Abrahamic foundations. So for Judaism, they believe that God has revealed truth through the Torah, the Pentateuch, and the Talmud. So this is to be the, the Old Testament and then all some other teachings of Judaism that help them discern morality, help them discern truth, the way that they should live their life. Christianity would take the, the Torah and the Pentateuch, which is the, the law and the prophets, and then the New Testament, which is the, the words and the teachings of Jesus Christ. So we are taking the, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and that has been revealed to us. And by that, we are able to find and have and know the truth. We're able to have our moral bearings. Islam, it's very much the same. They believe in the, the Torah and the Pentateuch, the Old Testament, and the Injil or the New Testament. And they also believe in the Quran, which they believe is the last and final testament. Now, there are a ton of I mean, there are a ton of differences between these three monotheistic faiths, a huge amount of differences, but we are not going to be talking about the differences today. And that is not the purpose of this episode. What I want to talk about is how there are similar truths that have been revealed through the writings of the law, which was given to Moses and the prophets, which all three faiths do look to and adhere to and say, yeah, this has been revealed to us, that there has been a level of truth that has been revealed to us, the moral laws of nature that tell us how we should live, that tell us that, hey, it's an elephant. That's been revealed. And if that's been revealed, we should live by it. Now, do we take this blindly? Do we say, well, so-and-so, so-and-so way back when said that this was revealed by God. So I'm just going to believe it and get on with my life. No, 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 no. We cannot just take things blindly. We cannot just say, well, I'm, I'm just going to, so-and-so said it's true. Lucas just said it's true. So I'm just going to listen to him. No, don't just listen to me. Don't just listen. That's a bad idea to just listen to me. One, because if you just listen to me, then those ideas are possessing you and you are not possessing the ideas. You need to go out and test and try the things that I say, work with them in your hands to discover and learn, is this actually truth? Is this actually have, having a, a profound positive effect on my life or not? See, we are supposed to love God with all of our hearts, 
so that all of our affection, with all of our emotion, with all of our souls, with all of our strength, with our physical body, and with our mind, we are to love and worship God with all of our intellect, with all of our reason. Therefore, we are supposed to test what has been revealed to us, what has been revealed to us through these holy writings to see, well, is it coherent and consistent throughout all generations? Is it coherent and consistent throughout all of the writings? We should look and say, hey, have these, have these books been corrupted? I mean, they're written 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Have these writings been corrupted? Is this actually what was originally revealed? And that's done through what's called literary criticism, where they're going through and tracing back document to document to document to try to find the closest to the original and then seeing how has that been changed? Were letters erased and then rewritten? How has it been transcribed from one book to the next over the generations? Are, are there discrepancies? So this is a, a practice called literary criticism, which people spend their, their entire lives just looking at these holy scriptures and figuring out what happened. Were there any changes? Are these completely accurate? Is this historically accurate? So, so there's another way that we can test what has been revealed to us. There is a third way, which is when these ideas, when this moral law, the, the laws of nature, the principles and the axioms which have been revealed to us, when they are walked out, is it bearing good fruit or is it bearing bad fruit? What do I mean? Well, we can tell what a tree is by its fruit. So when you look at a tree, you might not immediately know what it is. You might, you can open it up and you can look at the root system, but you, you're not going to know what, what it is by just the root system. You have to say, well, what sort of effects does it produce? What sort of things does it put out into the earth? Is it putting out thorns into the earth? Is, is everyone who believes in this do, do they end up just depressed and anxious and miserable? Or is it producing good fruit? And what is good fruit? Well, I, I think good fruit is love. It's joy. It's when I'm living this truth out, when I'm encountering this truth and I'm living it out, is it producing peace on the inside? Real lasting peace. Is it making me a more patient person, a more patient parent? Am I becoming kinder? Am I growing the fruit of kindness within me? Not just a, a fake thing that we do on the outside in front of strangers so that we look good, but then we come home and we're rude and we're grumpy to our kids and our husbands and our wives. But are we producing kindness growing from the inside? Because that's what truth does. Truth produces kindness on the inside. Goodness. Faithfulness. Are we becoming more faithful people? Are we faithful and steady? Are, do people look to us and say, man, that is a faithful person. They are a faithful, trusted friend. I can share my secrets with them. And I know that they'll be faithful to, to keep these things, to love me, to be kind in my weakness. Are we becoming more gentle? 
gentle in the delivery of our words, gentle in the delivery of, of how we interact with our children, with our friends, and self-control. Self-control is a big one. When we encounter truth and we let that truth transform who we are, we should become to have more self-control, more self-control over our bodies, more self-control over our minds, over our actions, over our anger, over our jealousy. Are we just letting those run rapid the more that we follow whatever train of thought we have? Is anxiety taking over our life? Because when we encounter and walk out truth, we begin to grow these things on the inside of us. And it is truth. When we encounter truth, knowing where the boundary lines are, knowing what is right and wrong, knowing what is good and evil, seeing the world clearly. That's what we talk about on the show. We talk about seeing the world clearly. I know I started talking about, you know, when I started the show, Two years ago, I, I w- would use the word change maker, and I still do sometimes, but thinking of like, how can we change the world? I want to change the world, I want to change the world. And over the last two years, I've become to realize more and more, it's not about changing the world, but it's about understanding the world. It's about seeing the world rightly. It's about living rightly within the world. That's the thing that's going to change it. Understanding truth. So are we doing that? And then as we understand that truth, is it setting us free? Is it setting us free from anxiety? Is it setting us free from self-hatred? Is it setting us free from rage? Is it setting us free from envy and jealousy? Because if it's not setting us free, then it's not truth. And that's the important thing. If the things that we believe are not actually setting us free on the inside, like a tree growing fruit. Like I don't, I don't have to go out and, and make an apple tree grow fruit. I need to water it. I need to fertilize it, but it grows fruit by itself. Are the ideas that I believe, are they growing fruit by itself? Is it self-perpetuating or am I having to muster it up with all my strength and my might and oh, Be kind, be patient, or is it growing from the inside? Truth sets you free to allow it to grow from the inside. If you are doing yoga and you just need to keep doing more yoga, 15 minutes isn't enough. You got to do 20, 30, an hour, two hours, four hours, day in and day out. And you keep on needing to empty yourself to try to meditate, to find that inner peace, but you never get there. You only find yourself more and more dissatisfied. You only find yourself having having problems sleeping, disrupted sleep, and you think, well, I just need to meditate more. I just need to do more yoga. I would like to suggest to you that maybe you aren't encountering truth. You aren't encountering light. You aren't encountering goodness. You aren't encountering the very thing that you're looking for that's going to set you free you're encountering something else and it's not truth. It's not truth. If you're not seeing anxiety dissipate when you grab hold of that truth, then I'd like to suggest to you that maybe, maybe you aren't actually encountering truth or to put it this way, you aren't allowing truth to encounter you. Now, Anxiety is an area in my life that I struggle with. I, I don't struggle with anxiety 
kind of in a general way, but normally as a, as a, as man, as a husband, it's normally around finances. I struggle with anxiety of, am I going to bring in enough money to support my family? Am, am I going to have enough at the end of the month? Am, am I just going to end up broke? And that's where my anxiety comes in. It's, it's normally attached to like a worldly ambition where I recognize that I have this worldly ambition and I get anxious of whether or not I will fulfill that purpose, fulfill that ambition, to fulfill that financial goal. When I recognize that I'm flooded with anxiety around this area, I have to pause and I have to stop myself. And I have to go back and say, wait a minute, what thoughts am I thinking? Are these thoughts grounded in truth? And they're not because Oftentimes, those thoughts are grounded in the fact that I have tied my identity to the things that I produce. I have tied my identity to my bank account. I have tied my identity of what I think I am worth, my self-worth, to the things that I do or to the the social standing that I have around me. But that's not where my identity comes from. Our identity comes from the fact that we have been created and loved by God. And when I realign that back to truth, to knowing who I have been created to be, that anxiety dissipates. So that's just a simple example in my life where I have to fight at times to go back and have truth transform me, that my mind would be transformed by truth and then that in turn transforms my emotions and brings it into alignment with the truth. And that brings me into a place of freedom. And often I don't experience that because I haven't tested. I haven't tried the truth enough. I haven't taken the truth, those moral axioms that we have, we all agree. I'm assuming we all agree has been revealed to us. If we're not taking those and testing them and trying them, it will never have the opportunity to transform us or know whether it is the truth or not. And if we have tested them and we found that mm, it's lacking, then that's where you start to break down and start to ask questions about some of those other things that we talked about. Like, okay, well, is this a co- consistent worldview and is this a coherent worldview that means is it consistent throughout all cultures is it consistent throughout all times or is it changing is it consistent throughout everything that's been revealed it's is it always the same or is it changing and is it coherent is it something that we can understand and to apply into everyday life throughout all circumstances and it makes sense it's not self-contradictory So there is a difference between knowing the truth with just head knowledge, knowing the truth and experiencing the truth. Because oftentimes we know what we should do. We know that we should eat right. We know that we should exercise. We know that we should go to bed early and wake up early. We know that we should journal. We know what we should do, but we haven't experienced, we haven't put it into action Maybe you know how to write a really great story. You know how to do an amazing snatch. Maybe you know music theory, but you haven't done the work to experience 
how that music theory actually works. We haven't done the work to experience the right muscle movements and, 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 and the right technique to be able to do a snatch or something in powerlifting. And that's a, similar with the truth. We might factually know what right the right thing is to say. We might know, you know how to fill out the multiple choice questions. But have we experienced the truth? As I said, when we experience truth, truth sets us free from anxiety. When we experience truth, we can feel that shame going. When we experience the truth, self-hatred goes, depression goes, rage is freed and delivered from rage, from hate, from bitterness, and from confusion. The truth frees us from all that. So if you're experiencing an immense, immense amount of envy or jealousy, loneliness, if you're, if you're finding yourself constantly critical of everyone around you and yourself, if you find yourself having fits of anger and rage, you find yourself battling and dealing with lust that you can just never get out of, you always have strife in your relationships, you always have these brotherly rivalries with everyone around you, envy and jealousy. There's always dissension and chaos in your, in your mind, in your heart, in your, your relationships. Then I would like to suggest to you that maybe you might know the truth, but you're not living or walking in the truth. You are not allowing the truth to encounter you and transform who you are. So it doesn't matter if you know it, you need to know it. You need to be able to ex- actually experience it and let the truth transform you and set you free. Now, in my conversation with my friend, he even asked, he said, okay, like, but you have such peace. You have such peace about what you know, about what you're certain about. So as he's, I think, kind of just talking out loud, he said, so it makes sense. Why would you go looking if you already have such peace and serenity within you? And I thought that was an amazing point as I, as I sat and listened and even just reflected in the conversation that I have that peace. I have that serenity because I have allowed the truth. I have wrestled with these ideas and I've allowed the truth to possess me, to transform me. And therefore I have become to possess these ideas. I've wrestled with them where they're not just head knowledge, head script, but they're actually something I live and walk out. And that has produced that peace and serenity and growing in patience within me. The truth has been revealed. This is what all three of the main monotheistic faiths believe. It has been revealed. Therefore, we can know it. But we have to go out and test it. We have to try it. We have to then take what has been revealed, check and make sure that it actually works out in the real world, to to make sure that it actually is truth, that actually these ideas, when applied to our lives, to our family, to society, to our work, actually has the positive effect that we want. Because we can take something that someone says has been revealed and we can apply it and we'd be like, this is really bad effects. Then we can say, hmm, maybe this isn't truth. Maybe we have to test it against something else to learn what truth actually is, to discover truth, to be able to walk in it. And then likewise, when we take truth, morality that's been revealed and we apply it 
and we find that it bears good fruit, then we can, then we can have peace and certainty of like, okay, I've done this. It's been revealed. It's consistent and coherent over time. It stands up to literary criticism. And when I apply it to my life, I notice that my relationships are better. I notice that I'm growing on the inside in love, peace, joy. Not just happiness in your circumstances, but joy even in the midst of suffering. Patience, goodness, self-control. I'm growing in these things in, in that specific area. Okay, I think this might be close to truth. I think this might be truth. Now, truth is not just a set of facts, but truth is something that is alive. It's not changing. It's constant and consistent over time, but it is something that is living. It is something that transforms us, and it is something that is situational. So two truths, for instance, one truth is honor your father and mother. The other truth is you need to not love your family more than you love God, right? So there's two truths. So which one do you apply? At what, what time do you apply which truth? Well, that takes relationship with the truth. That takes interaction and knowing truth and wisdom to know what to apply, what information to apply at one time. Same thing goes with business. There's thousands of different business practices and marketing practices and techniques. So which one do you apply at which time? You have to have that experience and that relationship with the techniques to know what to apply. And that is wisdom, knowing when to apply what piece of knowledge, what piece of truth, what piece of information at what time. So that leads me to my final closing thought this week. If you're listening within the week that this has been released, in October 2020, the U.S. elections are happening in just a few days. Now, I am very certain about my political leanings, and I know exactly why I am certain. And I think that bugs a lot of people. Uh, in, in the last few months, I've gotten a lot of flack from a lot of people about my political leanings. Now, I'm not going to spend time talking about exactly what my political leanings are, but I think you probably already know. However, we can easily take what has been revealed from both Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. We can look at these three core monotheistic faiths that probably you and I both adhere to. Things that we all agree on. And then we can apply that. We can take what we say, okay, this is the morality. This is the truth. These are the, the laws of nature that has been revealed to us that are consistent and cohesive over time. And we can look and say, how does that apply to these different political parties? And therefore, we can learn and discern how to vote. The biggest one that I, I see that seems to be clearest to me is the one about abortion and the killing of unborn babies in America. Now, we know from the law of Moses, from the teachings of Jesus, from the Quran even, that killing a baby in its mother's womb, murder, it is wrong. And it is in, in both Judaism and in Islam, it is something that is punishable 
by the most severe punishment if you catch my drift. So we know that this is something that is very serious in all of these three faiths. The killing of an innocent unborn child. Well, when we look at U.S. politics and we look at the different party platforms, we can see that one party platform wants to do away with abortion altogether. They want to say abortion is murder because it is killing a a baby in its womb, in its mother's womb. It is murder. So they say, this is wrong. This is a horrible act. Now, the the arguments against it by the the pro-choice movement is saying, well, it's my body, so it's my choice. I can do what I want. But the thing is, it's not the woman's body that is being killed. It is the baby inside the woman, which is a completely different body with its own unique set of DNA, which is being killed. So it's not your body. It's the baby's body. And therefore, it is not your choice because that is murder. So when we take that and we say, okay, one party is saying we should do away with this. Now, of course, people say, well, what about if the mother's health is at risk? What about if it's a case of rape and incense? Okay, well, let's take the the health issue. Okay, if the mother's health is at risk, when the doctor goes in to perform a surgery, they're, they're Hope is that both the baby and the mom would live. Their hope is they're intending good for both the baby and good for both the mom if the mother's health is at risk. And so this happens and they go in and they try to save both the baby's and the mother's life. That is not an abortion. That is, they're trying to save both the baby's life and the mom's life. And sadly, sometimes one of those lives die. That's the the broken world that we live in. Whereas on the other side of the aisle, what they want to do and are doing is they want abortion to be legal up to even 42 weeks of pregnancy. Right now in the state of Colorado, right now in the state of New York, if you are 42 weeks pregnant and are in labor about to give birth to a human being, you can have an abortion. There was Previously, a law to protect when to protect babies during botched abortions. So there are times where the abortion doctor is going in to kill the baby, and the abortion goes wrong for whatever reason. The baby is actually born, and the baby is alive. Well, before the law said that, well, you cannot kill that baby. The baby's been born. The baby is alive. Well, they changed that rule to say if the baby's not wanted. We can still kill the baby even after it's been born. This is called infanticide. Now, when you read the other side of the aisle, when you read what they want to do, it's very clear that they want to make the the woman's reproductive rights, the woman's right to choose all the way up to and past giving birth. And it's not based on any sort of medical scientific reasoning because biologists agree that life begins at conception. There's a complete set of unique first time in the history of mankind, human DNA. That's when it begins. And no other point is there some massive differentiation to say that now it's a human. 
now it's a human. Even after the baby is born, they're saying, well, this child really doesn't have any cognitive ability, doesn't have an an ability to to add to society. So mm, if the mom chooses, she can do away with it. Same thing is happening across Europe with euthanasia. Now, the elderly, the those who have dementia and and Alzheimer, they're saying, well, they're, you know, they're not adding anything to society. So are they even human anymore? They're not really cognitive. Are they even human anymore? They're not, they're not able to do basic life things. Are they even human anymore? Maybe we should just decide when people should die rather than letting life take its course. Now, these are things that both Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all agree on. Everything that I just said, all three of our faiths are very clear on these things. And there is one side that wants to maintain family values. They wants to maintain the dignity and sanctity of life. They want to see the ending of the killing of unborn babies, which is clearly, clearly articulated throughout all of the holy texts. And then there's the other side of the aisle that totally disregards and does away with truth because it is truth. Science says that it's truth. Biology says that it's truth, that a baby at conception is a human being, is a human being. That is when life begins. And therefore, that is the, the biggest issue that I vote on. When I look across America and I look across history and I look across all the problems that are going on in the world, I can point to the biggest one, which is the genocide of one third of our generation. One third of yours and mine generation has been lost to abortions. One out of three. In America, it's over 60 million people have been killed since Roe v. Wade and 60 million people across the world. Hundreds of millions of abortions occurred in the name of reproductive health. But it is a, a genocide, a genocide that is specifically targeted at minorities and people of color, minorities and people of color. Therefore, when I go to vote, I can be certain and I can rest in that certainty where I don't have to worry about Okay, maybe I don't like someone's personality. Maybe someone said something really stupid, but I can look at policy and I can look at and I can match that policy up against truth, up against truth that has been revealed, objectivity, and that truth that has been measured again and again and again and again throughout history. And I can say that these principles, these axioms have proven true across hundreds of years thousands of years, these ideas have proven to be true and bear good fruit. We can look in the modern history over the last hundred years of, of Soviet, Soviet Russia, communist China, North Korea, Vietnam, North Korea, Cambodia. We can look across these socialistic principles and ideas. China's one child policy which led to the, the, the killing, the, the genocide, the infanticide of hundreds and thousands and millions of girls. 
all because it was a girl and they could only have one child, so they wanted a man. What's the fruit of that? Well, now there's tens of millions of men who can't find a wife to marry because all the women were killed because of a one-child policy. Bad ideas that have bad consequences and bad fruit. So I have a level of certainty because I can take truth that's been revealed and I can pair it and I can match it with history and I can pair it and I can match it with fruit that happens inside of me, that inner peace, that certainty. And that allows me to be certain, whether it's in my political stances, in my political arguments, in knowing how I'm going to vote, or in my day-to-day decisions of how I make small decisions, how I choose to pattern my life outside of big moral issues like abortion I have a certainty that I can ground myself in because we are not blind men and women grappling and groping, trying to make it out, trying to figure out what it is. But if we believe that there is a God, and most of us do, most of us have these crazy supernatural experiences. We've, we've all experienced the supernatural. We know that we're not just apes who evolved. We know that there's a spirit realm and the truth has been revealed. And you can say, well, my truth has been revealed is very different than Lucas, your truth or Judaism's truth or Islam's truth. Maybe you, you, you believe in, in Buddhism or Hinduism or your chapras, you know? Okay, well, now let's test those worldviews and see if they're consistent and coherent And what's the fruit of those worldviews? And what's the personal fruit that you experience from those on a day in and day out basis? So that is the way that you can go about being certain about your life and that I go about being certain about mine and the things that I believe and how and why I am able to rest in freedom, real freedom on the inside, not necessarily freedom on the outside, but freedom on the inside where I'm free, free from shame, free from worry, free from anxiety, free from self-hatred, and I'm at peace. And that is producing patience within me, kindness within me, joy within me, and it's growing day by day. I have to be faithful, but it's growing day by day. So hope that you go out this week Uncover your purpose, pursue truth so that you can own your future. If you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. You can WhatsApp me at plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero, or you can email me at lucas at lucasgrobot.com or of course on Instagram, just slide into the DM, ask me a question there. I'd love to answer your question on the show. And if you do ask a question and it gets answered right here on the show, I will send you a pack of stickers all for free. So ask a question, get some cool stickers, and we'll see you next time right here on the show.